All right, KISS Army, welcome to the KISS FAQ Podcast. Thank you for giving us your time today and letting us into your head. I hope we don't do any damage. This is a KISS-related podcast by the board for the board. We hope that you enjoy. Welcome to episode 390 of the KISS FAQ Podcast, our first episode of 2022. Yay, the crowd goes wild. <laughs> and by that I mean 2022, not 2022. Hopefully. Please. No more. <laughs> so it's New Year. Happy New Year to everyone. And I uh, hope everyone had a good holiday season and festive season. If you've taken a break from us, well, shame on you. Um, this week's topic is something I think that kind of generates itself from the board. But. Yeah. 2022 is going to be the 25th anniversary of the release of Carnival of Souls. So since it's dark out a lot and it's cloudy and miserable in a lot of places, what better album to kind of start the year off with a reevaluation and ranking of the material? There was a thread on the FAQ recently um, that asked the question, why do some fans hate Carnival of Souls so much? Um, and I won't go into the details of that topic. Um, instead, we're going to actually just talk about the album as we do with our rankings. So we've all ranked the album songs from least favorite to most favorite. Um, someone indeed had I Walk Alone as their favorite, Mark, which is really weird. But, you know, if, if, that's, your, if that's your ranking. <laughs> favorite? No. Oh, wait, I got your list backwards. Sorry. I just yeah. that around. <laughs> Okay, that's uh, that say, looks, uh, looks, he really does walk scores, alone. You know? Yeah, that looks that looks way better now. Yeah, yeah, sorry, <laughs> sorry about that. Recalculating. So, Mark, let's start with you. You know, your your first memory of listening to the album, and whether your memory of then is similar to now that we've uh, listened to the album a bunch of times to talk about it today. Um, well, I remember the first time that this album was sort of talked about in the circles that I hung in. Uh, we were, you know, in a band with a few guys who were Kiss fans. I've mentioned this before. Uh, one guy was a diehard guy, and me and him used to go to the Kiss conventions that were plentiful back in the late 90s and 2000s and stuff like that. He mentioned this you know, mysterious album, Carnival of Souls, and that uh, he was one of these people who was seeking it out in the circles, you know, trying to find it. And he even went as far as to look in the magazine classifieds because sometimes he would have these people saying, I have, you know, bootlegs. If you want to buy it, contact me. And he would do that. He would get all kinds of interesting bootlegs and stuff like that. Uh, uh, I remember the first time I heard it, um, I wasn't disappointed because I had liked Revenge, you know, because it was pretty heavy and you know i thought you know it was kind of in that direction that it kept the heaviness it wasn't like you know three steps back and doing some kind of commercial pop album so i thought okay this is this is pretty good you know um there were some songs immediately that i didn't gravitate to too much like you know the usual things that you would suspect i my opinion of it has changed over the years in which I find that the more I listen to this record, and I listen to it today, I put it on our little group poster that I was, I pulled out the vinyl and listened to it. Uh, I just find this album, and I'm, I think this might be a good word for my 
description of it. I find this album disingenuous. I find it very phony. And uh, I find it hard to believe lyrically. I find it hard to believe uh, even musically. I mean, when you hear Paul Stanley saying about, you know, all these bad things and all these things, the, the you know, you know, it sounds like he sounds like a teenager with a with a razor blade in a bathroom. Right. Like it's like, give me a break, man. Like, I mean, what do you have to be crying about? You have a multi millions of dollars, you have a huge house, beautiful wife, sports cars, and you're in a popular band. Why would you even be even the slightest bit depressed? I mean, this album almost sounded like something that you would believe coming from like Alice in Chains or something like that, and not from Kiss. You're muted, Julian. I know, and and your and, you're, and yours is uh, jumpy today. Your Canadian Wi-Fi is in oh, full force, right. so if you see us staring at you, it's probably because we're frozen. Um, I forgot to introduce everyone. You know, in case you don't know these people, there. You know, it's uh, Marcus Almighty <laughs> Mark. Wheeze, Daniel, and uh, yeah. 69 Blizzard discussing this topic. Um, Daniel, what about you? You know, your memory of first hearing it and whether your opinion of, opinions about the album have changed, similar to Mark's. Well, as a lot of people, I got the bootleg first. So I was kind of all over it when they actually released the record. I've listened to the bootleg a few times and you know it didn't sound that great and you didn't have any cool pictures and you didn't have any lyrics and so on. So uh, I didn't really fancy the album. Uh, from what I remember, it didn't stick, you know. I listened to it and I, and I understood, well, they play great. Uh, there is something in the record that's good, but I don't like to listen to it a lot of times, you know. So I listened through it and uh, I couldn't really pick a favorite song or two like I did on the previous record where I, where I found Unholy and maybe Take It Off, two songs that I really liked. So no song really stood out to me. And uh, as I said, when, when the album was actually released, I had already listened to it. So I bought it and maybe listened to it once or twice. And then I guess I put it on, you know, on the shelf and didn't listen to it a lot. Uh, Actually, this week I've listened to it more than I've done for quite a few years. And I have to say, it's aged pretty good to my ears. Uh, I kind of found a song or two that I really enjoyed and liked. But there are some issues with the album that uh, I will address later on that, that I would like to you know, change or, or alter. Uh, but all in all, uh, it's not a I don't think it's a bad album. I just think it's as as Mark said. It's it's a bit uh, doesn't feel honest, you know. It's a bit uh, you know they're trying to be something that that they aren't. But on the other hand, wasn't that what they were doing all through the eighties? So um, well, maybe not to this extent. It becomes too obvious that they're trying too hard, but. There are a few gems on the album, I think. It'll, it'll be interesting to, to hear what you guys have, have to say about it. Yeah, you nailed it. Chasing trends instead of being the trend. And Mark nailed it with disingenuous, that it's dishonest. That's a big word. That, that's okay. a big word, like, like gymnasium. gymnasium. Does it have the same amount of letters, though? Um, <laughs> so both of those observations are, are very good. 
you know, when I got it, I traded for it on the bootlegs arc. I listened the hell out of it. It was really yeah. exciting because it wasn't out. Here was a full Kiss studio album, brand new, and everyone was kind of getting it at the same time. And there were people who were only doing three for one trades for it, uh, you know, on the bootleg circle or making all sorts of outrageous demands for a copy. And I actually gave into one of those outrageous demands to get a copy. Uh, you know, because I, I wanted it and I listened to it and I enjoyed it far more than it deserved to be enjoyed because I wasn't familiar. I didn't listen to Alice in Chains. I didn't listen to Soundgarden. I didn't listen to any of that crap. Um, was not interested in it. That's not crap, Julian. I wasn't listening to Stone Temple Pilots. Oh, no wow. interest in that stuff whatsoever back then. Um, I had a single Soundgarden song on a on a Koran mm. compilation, so I, I didn't know about that side of the alternative scene uh, that had become popular. I knew Nirvana and Pearl Jam, but this is not that. This is completely different. So I, I was very excited, and then it, 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 you know, when it was released, I did uh, promo work for Polygram in, in London for it. So I, I was very into it because it was like my first interaction with a record label. So it skewed my reaction to it for a while. And then it just dropped off. I was like, this is crap. I'm not listening to it. And I didn't listen to it very much after that at all. Going back and revisiting it, it was... Uh... Yes, Daniel? Yeah, I'm just wondering, has there any been... Has, has, it, been, has it been any... Um... Does we uh, do we know how it leaked? Does anyone have an idea how the album leaked? Because it leaked all over the place. But uh, are there some theories about how it leaked? Do you know, Julian? I've heard theories that it came through a band member, but there were so many different versions of it. Some with 12 songs, some with 10 songs, some with nine songs circulating that. <laughs> who knows i mean yeah. very very easily have had copies you know just get out through the process of it sitting around a polygram for those years you know because it was yeah. delivered it was delivered to the label yeah, so i heard yeah i heard that there were, and who knows this could be completely wrong but i think we heard sometimes you know when you go to these conventions and you have this little chit chat with some of these vendor guys i think somebody told my friend ted that he heard that it was some intern that worked at polygram and who was a fan had kind of stumbled upon a cassette copy of it and kind of like yoink put it in his pocket and took it and you know it was one of those things like he dubbed it for one friend and he dubbed it for one friend and so on and so on and so, and then all of a sudden it got out yeah. Now whether that's true or not, I I don't know I don't know for sure, but that's what we heard through a convention person. Yeah, and and any of them are plausible. I mean, I I I don't think a band member would ever ever be that pissed off um, that they. Eric they, was pretty pissed off, but uh, yeah, I still I still don't think he would have done it directly or oh, deliberately. Oh yeah. You know, any one of the band members could have had someone listen to a copy and then for them to do the nefarious thing and sell it on because, come on, unreleased Kiss album is an unreleased Kiss album, just like it's the same with, you know, Prince albums or Bruce Springsteen. Mm -hmm. Or mm -hmm. you know even even Psycho Circus. So you know, I, yeah. ultimately, I don't think it matters that it got out, in that it eventually forced their hand into releasing it when I don't think they would have otherwise have done so if it wasn't circulating. Well, well, I think it, it 
of course it damaged the sales. I mean, everyone had it when they released it. But uh, if you remember, if you recall how it was back in the day, I remember Eric being kind of upbeat about the reunion because it would uh, uh, increase the uh, interest in the Carnival of Souls album. I remember reading interviews with him. Well, there's a reunion now. He thought it was only for a year or two. And this will increase interest for our album. So, so mm. Eric was um, looking forward to the album being released and, and hoping it would do well, which it didn't. Well, it did. Jungle went to number one Quentin. on the, on the yeah, mainstream what, rock tracks. Master and Slave of, did well radio-wise. No one knows those songs. No one. Ask anyone. One, do you know two. Master and Slave? Yeah. Ken, do you know Master and Slave? <laughs> you, yeah. I do. Ask a uh, man on the street, lick it up, have some fire, tears of four, crazy nights, or Master and Slave. No one will know Master and Slave. So I don't know if it really was a hit. No. Modern rock tracks are what the simply, hell is that? that's not even, yeah, exactly. It's just another uh, measurement of, I think, of airplay on certain radio stations. Ken, you know, same question so, to you. Yeah, what was the question? I got so off track. Uh, yeah, well, all right. I was expecting, a, you know, a revenge two kind of thing. Um, I knew it was going to be darker because that's what Eric had said in the convention uh, in San Francisco, um, and it was a lot darker. <laughs> um, and uh, I first heard it actually. Yeah, I I was able to download it. Uh, on my computer, oh. MP3s, it was leaked, and I got it that way. Yeah. So I had it that way. <clears throat> I didn't sell it or anything like that. You know, I just found it. It was there, and I and then I started listening to it, and I thought, okay, oh, well, it's you know, it starts off pretty good. You know, so I was okay. Yeah, it's kind of different. And then it, then it, all these different songs it was it was totally different. And like Daniel said the tone of it, uh, you know, the lyrics and, and that sort of thing was just, a, you know, especially a downer for Paul, uh, not so much for Gene, because you kind of expect a lot of that from Gene. But, uh, and then being disingenuous, yeah, I agree with that comment, uh, definitely because, you know, I, I think it this is, was is disingenuous because it was kind of a concept album, in my opinion, Kind of like the elder, they tried to do something with the elder. They tried to be something they're really not, um, and then I guess they've done it to a degree with like, Crazy Nights. He can go back to Destroyer. I mean, some people call that a concept album to a degree. Uh, that's because of Bob Ezrin, but uh, yeah, Carnival Souls. They were they were truly chasing the trend again. Um, uh, I don't think they needed to do that, but someone I think I don't know if it was. I think it was, I forget who who was the one in the band who wanted it, and then, and uh, I don't know, it was Gene was said, no, they didn't want him, or it was Paul. I can't remember, but uh, whatever. They fell in line, and, and they went with Toby Wright, and it's it's a lot like April, you know, uh, not April, um, the other grunge bands out there, you know, to a degree, so... It, it was interesting. Uh, there's some things I really like about it, and we'll get on to it, you know, I guess, uh, coming up. But uh, 
it, it was different. It was too bad that they, they went that route. Yep. But fortunately it was released. Otherwise, um, well, we'd still be discussing it, but we're oh, yeah. celebrating it in the same kind of way. Mark, I'm going to start with you. So we split these into the top, the middle, and the and the bottom in terms of the rankings. Um, the four songs that end up at the bottom of our ranking... I don't think anyone will be surprised that in last place is I Walk Alone, you know, completely down at the bottom, followed by It Never Goes Away, In My Head, and Rain. So on 5, 13, 15, and 17 points, respectively. Mark, why don't you start us off with your your thoughts on those songs or some of them as to why they may fall in the bottom of the carnival? Yeah. um, Well, okay. We here on the podcast and in the forum really love Bruce Kulick. We 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 sing his praises uh, with him on the cruises and the shows that he puts on with the you know keeping up the '80s material and later material. Uh, so it's kind of hard, feels hard and difficult to kind of diss "I Walk Alone," being that it's his song and he sings it but to me it's not that it's a bad song it just does it just to me seems like the most out of place song on the whole record it just seems like something that they should have just told him to keep for his solo record and not use it as a kiss song so i just never really took to it as a kiss song so to me that's always been bottom of the barrel for me as far as that went um the other ones i forgot what you said the other three were uh uh it never it wasn't it never goes away it never is that goes one? away rain in my head okay so like in my head for example it's another example of it being one of these unbelievable songs to me i mean you know it just doesn't seem like a song that i would expect kiss to be singing you know when i hear it uh rain to me is again that that prime example of what i was talking about earlier with paul stanley it just I expect Paul Stanley to be one of those like, yeah, baby, you know, dancing around and singing about girls and, you know, partying and this and that. And, you know, talking about going down to New York City and partying and not like, you know, you know, you know, the rain is falling on him and he's all depressed. And, you know, it's like that just does not I don't buy that for a minute. So it's those kind of songs that I always kind of looked at as the weaker part of the record. In, in my eye, because I, I just don't think that those are songs that translated well. There are songs on this record that are heavy or heavier, too, that to me just seem more believable that I could believe Kiss would write a song like this and perform a song like that. And those four are definitely not one of those songs. I mean, and all of those ones to me just, they just don't connect with me at all. Daniel. Those four for you. You also have I Walk Alone as your least favorite from the album. Actually, Julian, all those those four songs are at the bottom of my list. So uh, I'll, I'll, I'll explain why. You, um, Mark said it perfectly about I Walk Alone. I mean, and Bruce, I don't know if you said that Bruce isn't really a singer. I mean, let's be honest. He can't really sing. And that makes the song really monotonous. Uh, but the song I'd like to focus on in that bottom four is um, it never it never goes, goes away. away. <laughs> yeah, it never goes away because 
uh, that's like everything that's wrong with uh, this record. Paul is trying to sound like something he isn't. And mm-hmm. that's just a blatant ripoff from, you know, the star of heavy metal. You know. <laughs> Which song is it? <laughs> Black, Black Sabbath. Sabbath. Yeah, so, uh, and if you listen to It Never Goes Away, it's like, yeah. it's the same half, riff. Half yeah, the other dozen millions of metal songs have that, yeah. you know, flat at third this, or fifth. At this point of time, I mean, really, Paul, you're looking at the first heavy metal album and you're copying it. I mean, it's terrible. So that says it all. How lost he must have been at this point in time. And if you if you recall reading, uh, what's the name of the second Paul Stanley book? We talked about it. And I remember Julian, Mark, and I talked about backstage that backstage or something. Or? Yeah, something about backstage, where he said me and Gene we didn't even talk to each other in '94. So it was a bad period for for Paul, and somehow he he he, he tried to copy the original heavy metal song with with this one and. That's the problem with the album. Paul is lost at this point. He doesn't really... There's only one song on this album that he managed to be Paul in. I mean, otherwise he's trying to be someone else. And we'll get to that later. But, I mean... And the, and the lyrics. How is it? And it's so slow. Preachers heal to temptation. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's not for maybe maybe if Gene did it, it would be a bit better, but but this isn't really anything for Paul. You need the good and the evil, you need the light and the dark, you need Gene and Paul. Paul is somehow trying to be Gene on this album, in my mind. Uh, no, he's, uh, he's, uh, he's, uh, he's, he's trying to be Derek Smalls from Spinal Tap. <laughs> he succeeded. Yeah. But, but I mean, copying Black Sabbath and and all the things Mark said, I just and I think it was kind of it was really good that these four songs ended up at the end, at the bottom mm. of the list because, to, in my mind, these four are probably the worst songs. But I kind of like the rest, so these are the only four songs that I'm. Are a bit subpar, but the rest I feel is like a seven or higher. Uh, so let's move on. Yeah, and I, I think once you get past the bottom third, then everything else is a positive. Ken, your thoughts on I Walk Alone, It Never Goes Away in My Head and Brain? In my head, yeah. Okay, so three of those were on my bottom, very bottom. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, It Never Goes Away it was at the bottom of mine. I said, my comment is, I wish it would go away. Um, <laughs> I said maybe the worst song on the album. Well, I, I put it as the worst song on the album, the okay. way I ranked it. So for me, um, with and so that one, yeah, it's just it's just horrible, uh, really. Um, I walk alone um, again. Yeah, I kind of agree. You know, Bruce is not really the you know a lead singer kind of guy. I mean, he's he's done better vocals than that on his solo like bk3 or whatever um uh but i that song gets better in the chorus when when uh, either gene is singing with him i think gene and paul maybe gene and paul both 
then they're singing. Then it sounds better. The song actually gets better. Um, what do you think about the demo, still, Ken? Ken still not what do you think about the demo? That was a that's a gene, like, right? Was on gene, that, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah it, because it's, it's like a little he... better. Yeah, yeah. So I think it fits more with Gene and his style of singing. Um, so that would make it a little bit better, but it it is what it is. Um, Rain. Yeah, it's another one that is very you know oh. dreary like a rainy day right um definitely um it's it's too much downer stuff from, from paul it's just it's just so uncharacteristic of what he normally you know writes i think he really stepped out of his himself to be able to you know write this kind of stuff i don't know how he did it to tell you the truth um, but uh, yeah, it's it's not right coming from him. Um, uh, in was it what's the other one? Uh, I confess. No. 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 In, in my, my head. head. In, in my, my head. head. Yeah, in my head, I have. It's okay. Um, I thought it was a pretty good song. I don't think it's horrible, um, but uh, it's not one of the Gene's better, you know, better ones. So. Um, <laughs> There's like you guys said that getting past this bottom third or whatever it's it gets it goes up real quick gets a lot better. Yeah, these these are I'm I'm sorry Bruce is not getting a pass even for his vocal effort on that on I Walk Alone for me. Um, as much as I love him and he's important to me yeah. in terms of his contributions to history and my own historic journey, it's a crap song. It's it's just not good. It's not good structurally. It's not good in terms of re- arrangement. I went back to the demo on the vault and it's crap as well. It is just not good to my taste. And if you love it, mm-hmm. fine. And I, I was very excited for him to get a, a lead vocal on the album. And then I heard the song and... It's almost atonal. There's no no power there. There's musically, it doesn't do anything for me. The backward sections, just, you, you know, it's disingenuous. It's utterly disingenuous. But it's also bad structurally, um, to my mind. And opinions vary. It never goes away. It's just fake. It it, I mean, it could be Spinal Tapish. It's almost mocking. It's so bad. But so, you know, so is Rain. Oh, mm-hmm. you know, Daniel covered that one perfectly. I, I, I've got nothing to add to what Daniel said. Yeah. Uh, and in my head, nest of termites glowing red. I mean, Jamie St. James <laughs> is a part of that song. Jamie St. Mm-hmm. James from Black and Blue writing all these upbeat, happy, crappy anthems in the 80s is now, you know, Mr. Misery. It, it, it is disingenuous. It's dishonest. It's like, really? It's uh, it's it's not plausible. It's not believable in mm-hmm. any way. And you know, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. I don't like those songs at all. I find it hard to find any redeeming factors to try and insert some positivity into my comments on. So, <sighs> thank you. <laughs> Cleanse and breathe. Let's move on. And this is the middle of the pack. So you know, I think from this point on. Those bottom four really are it. Everything else is interchangeable depending on mood and day to a certain extent. So, Mark, let's go back to you with I Will Be There, In the Mirror, Master and Slave, and Seduction of the the Innocent. And I'll go through the rankings at mm. the end for where all these songs mm. ended up uh, vote-wise. So, I Will Be There is a song that ranked low on my list. Uh, 
mainly because not that it's not a good song and it's definitely more a song that I can believe Paul writing, you know what I mean? It's more in his style. But the reason why I didn't like it is that I just felt that if you're writing a record of heavy stuff like this and really dark stuff, this kind of six sticks out like a sore thumb a bit to me. You know, it's like, you know, the, the kind of acoustic-y kind of thing. It kind of it makes me think back to, you know, that era of the acoustic songs that were coming out at the time, all those bands. I mean, not that it doesn't sound like, you know, Be With You or anything like that or more than words, but it's kind of like that sort of idea, a person in an acoustic guitar by himself, you know, a little bit of conga drums there by, you know, uh, uh, Eric Singer, and there you have the song. Now, it's not a bad song, but it just I just think it just stuck out like a sore thumb. That's why I had it kind of lower in my list. Um, the other one you said was, uh, was it Master and Slave, isn't that? Master and Slave, In the Mirror, and Seduction. Okay. Um, in the Mirror and Seduction are one of those songs, again, where they just don't feel authentic to me. You know, uh, In the Mirror, again, is one of those things where, you know, it... The, the, the lines in those those songs are just unbelievable like you know look at the lines on my face and this and that i'm like come on man like it's, it's you you can you can pay for plastic surgery and get all this stuff rectified it's not like you don't have any he options did. you know what i mean so yeah you know what i mean and he did so uh it, see what i mean if i find it hard to believe some of the things that he's singing about those are the things that really bother me about these songs is that it just doesn't seem like something that he should be singing about, you know? And, and talking about Jamie St. James, I can understand him being miser- miserable because, I mean, he was in a band that never really got too far, and then the whole grunge thing completely killed his band. So, yeah, he might have something to be sore about. But, but, but Mark, you know. Mark, 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 uh, you're really focusing on the lyrics. I mean, I always took you for a guy who listened to the music. I do, and the and the music is you know not kiss like either in a lot of ways, right? I mean, since when? Oh no! Like you think of like that just was not on. Shouldn't have asked him that. On there. <laughs> but 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 the lyrics though are 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 an important part of the songs too. I find you know. What does deuce mean? Deuce? What's that song about? Yeah? What's that song about? I've never really understood what deuce was about. No, I mean, it doesn't really matter. Yeah, but I mean, you know, the, look, the, the, that to me is all... I used to go to these things a few years back. SoCan is a Songwriters Association guild thing here in Canada. And used to have these things called Date with a Tape, where you would come in, bring your original material, and you'd have like a panel of like songwriters there that were like well respected in the Canadian music business and they would listen to it and they actually nailed people with that all the time they're like they listen to the song they'd scratch their head listening to it and go uh what do these lyrics mean and then they do do the same thing and say all oh, they don't really have a meaning they just sound cool and they're, the people would shake their head and go no that's not how you write a song you don't you don't just put words together that don't make any sense and expect it to be recognized as a song and i think the same thing that to me is a kind of cheap, lazy way of writing, you know. Yeah, it is, but it's Beatles did it sometimes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you remember that song? Oh, yeah. The walrus yeah. had some of that stuff. <laughs> <And> um, <Anyway. laughs> yeah. Well, 
I mean, but the, ask me if I like those Google songs. Tube. I don't. Yeah. So you don't. Okay. Okay. I always wonder about deuce. What the hell is the deuce? I mean, it's worth the deuce. It's worth the, the crap. The card. That's you I have. You have. Is it Central Park that's called the deuce or something? And you. Uh, and deuce is also taking, taking a number two. Taking a take. Yeah, number two. And taking a deuce is like you know. So so. <laughs> and and. That's Julian's favorite song. Yeah, yeah musically probably. No, he's he's worth a <laughs> damn. He's worth he's a worth damn. damn. Yeah, he's worth, worth a, a deuce. Worth a crap. You know? Worth a you know. Yeah. What, yeah, I, maybe you know, it was a slang term. You know. Yeah, you know, I'd, I'd have to ask someone, and maybe you know, if we've got any listeners, or if you don't need listeners who speak yes, he- Hebrew, Yiddish, Hungarian. You know, mm-hmm. whether deuce rhymes with any word from those languages. I mean. You know, using a word as a rhyming mechanism, um, well, Blinded by the Light has a very famous one. Oh, yeah. You know, Manfred Mann. Or, I'm sorry, Bruce Springsteen wrote it, the damn song. He wrote it, right. Yeah. You know, so they're useful well, devices. You have, you know, songwriters like Steven Tyler who will string together a whole song from meaningless LSD trip lyrics. You know, so yeah. they, don't, they don't actually tell a story... Yeah, yeah. And sorry, before this leaves my head, the biggest band that does this and is guilty of this is one of my favorite bands. Yes, John Anderson writes incoherent lyrics all the time. I mean, one of the lines that I just realized now he wrote in the song "Close to the Edge." There's a line in there that says, "Rearrange your liver." What the hell does that have anything to do with what he say? It has nothing to do with, and he even says Mike in interviews. Tyson can do that to you. Uh, well, he said that he goes, I write lyrics based on how the words sound, not the meanings of them. So right there, he obviously admits that he has no meaning half the time to his lyrics. So I can understand that approach, but I've never liked that approach. Okay. So, Daniel, anything to add on? I will be there in the mirror, Master and Slave, and Seduction of the Innocent. The middle of the pack. Didn't you say uh, uh, take a look in the mirror as well? Take a look in the mirror. Yeah, in the mirror. In In the mirror. mirror. Yeah, in the mirror. Because you guys just don't get it. Take a look in the mirror. It's the best song on the album. (laughs) I'm probably the only one. What? I'll explain why. I'll explain why. Oh, my God. No, God can't help you here. I'll explain it to you. I'll be your God. So uh, he sings really well in this song. It's a little faster than most of the songs. Uh, It's... I know Ken said he, he wanted Revenge too. This is the only or maybe one of the few tracks that could end up on a Revenge too, Because you, you got the tempo and listen to the drums. I mean, Eric Singer on the drums on this one is kind of mimicking Eric Carr a bit. Uh, I'll get to that. But there's a cool riff that you remember. The drums are really cool. Why is Julian holding his head like that <laughs> i don't like that okay uh but li- and actually uh let's see now uh ken you do like dress to kill don't you sure yeah and mark i know you like dress to kill as well don't you yeah he's frozen I, yeah i love it <laughs> okay yeah so if you listen carefully this is a song that actually borrows some stuff from one of my favorite tracks on Dress to Kill. And this is the only song on this album that I feel could be, you know, if you change the lyrics, Mark talked about the lyrics, this could be like I 
uh, I just wanna or take it off on revenge, or it could actually be lover all I can on dress to kill. You know, the main riff is like. Kind of an upbeat riff. It reminds me of. And you know, that's all. That's Lover All I Can. And that's not the only thing that reminds me of Lover All I Can. If you listen to the, to the bridge, they're using the drums. Mm -hmm. The only other time they did that was on Lover All I Can. You remember that one? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And in this song, They do something similar. <laughs> so there are a few similarities to to I Love Her All I Can, and the the riff is so upbeat. Uh, it's more of a no positive feeling in the beat than the other stuff. It's not like it's a very good riff. It's very upbeat, uh, upbeat, and uh, reminds me of Dress to Kill. And it's like a simple rocker. This is a song that could end up on any of the '80s album. You know, it would work on everything from Lick It Up to Revenge, in my mind. And in addition to that, you could also listen to the drums. Listen to the drums in this song. Eric Singer is doing, he's kind of paying homage to Eric Carr. Uh, the drum pattern is totally different. For example, the other one, the other song that's one of my favorites on, on this album is Hate. Mm -hmm. But Eric goes wild on the drums. I don't know. Uh, it doesn't remind me anything of Peter Chris or Eric Carr, he, he kind of, you know, he does a different feel. He has his own style. In, yeah, and also, but in this song, he keeps it simple. He he, he kind of mimics Eric Carr, like in the pre-chorus, he uses a lot of drums, uh, kind of like Eric Carr did on Tears Are Falling, you know. Oh no, tears are falling. Or in Heavens on Fire, Feel my heat take you up, bear with me. Bam, ba, ba, ba. He uses the toms a lot. Mm -hmm. And Eric Singer in this song uses the toms a lot. So all in all, but as Mark mentioned, the lyrics aren't that good. But I'm not a guy that listens a lot to the lyrics. Uh, so this is, in my mind, the best Kiss song on the album. The best song... Uh, that the only song that might work on a, another album, or maybe Hate would work and, and one or two two more, but 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 this is Kiss, so you have to, you know, stay away from the lyrics and listen to the music on this one, and you'll understand mm. that this is the best song on the album, and I guess it's I'm the only one in the world who feels this. 
Yeah. Interesting so, comment. So, uh, Interesting. Uh, yeah, but, but uh, I hadn't thought about it early because when I listened to the album the other day, this one stuck in my mind, and I thought, what is it about this song that makes me like it so much? And then, oh, oh my God, it it sounds like, you know, Lover All I Can, and the drum thing, you know, mm. the bridge. It's the same thing, sort of, but updated. It's even cooler drums on this one if you compare it to, to, to Lover All I Can. So, my mind, take a look in the mirror is the best song. At least it's my favorite. Mm. Maybe there's one or two other guys out there that likes it as well. I hope. It's happy misery, in other words. Upbeat <laughs> misery. Yeah, the, the lyrics are wrong. Miser- for, misery for you can song. dance to. <laughs> yeah. Which is... But makes, you have makes to listen it... to the music, guys. The music. Well, I, you know, it's you know for me, it's up there in my, in my top half. You know, it oh is... Yeah, you know, you know, it's catchy. You know, is yeah. it still, is it still believable? Yeah, but not, not as much, but, but but musically it stands out much more. You know, when you look at yeah. another another one of those songs, and it, it's pretty low for me. I will be there. I mean, that's like Paul Stanley deciding to write "Every Rose Has a Thorn." You know, to be poison. Mm. You know, I'll show Brett Michaels what he missed by not having me produce that. Uh, open up and say blah. <laughs> um, yeah. You know, so it, we're we're in the middle, master and slave. Again, that's catchy, upbeat. You know, we're we're getting more into kind of a zone where where Paul seems a little bit more honest in the material mm-hmm. stylistically that he's writing. Um, but seduction of the innocent is for me the the best of that lot in the middle of the pack. Ken. Yeah. So after the uh, the music lesson from Daniel, let's see. I, I will. <laughs> Come <laughs> with my comments. Um, uh, so, in the mirror for me, uh, it's number nine of twelve on my list. So, sorry, Daniel, about that. Um, uh, I say it's good, but I don't like the chorus. I just do not like the chorus at all. So, that's where I put it. Um, again, I don't know if it's because of the lyrics too or what, but uh, that's where I put that one. Um, all right, the other ones, Master and Slave, you know, it's all right. I, it has a nice opening groove, you know, to it, riff. Um, and I like, I, I don't, the thing that problem with Master and Slave, I do not like the way Paul sings those verses. Uh, it's like a whiny, uh, I'm a little whiny, you know. It's uh, like, no, 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 no. It's, it's, that's just no good. He, if he was singing it straight, it would have been a lot better of a song. Um so that was a wrong choice in singing it that way. Um, I will be there. Yeah, I, I understand it doesn't fit on this album, um, but I, I think it's a really, really good song. So that's why it's you know higher on my you know top half of my list. Um, I think it's a really, really well written song, and and that that one is genuine, uh, you know, about his son. So. Um, that's the, probably the only song on the album that's you know genuine. Um, and then uh, uh, what's the other one? Oh, Seduction Innocent. Come on now, that's number three. That's number three on my list. Um, I love that. I've always loved that song. Um, the verses um, are the best part of that song, um, and the guitar work by Bruce on that one just fantastic guitar work um, on that one throughout so 
that's one of my favorite songs. I've, I don't know why that's not higher, but I really love that song. Yeah, it's interesting just looking at our individual rankings here that all of us have two Gene songs in our top three. Even yeah. Daniel. It's not surprising on this album. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. This is definitely yeah. a Gene album. Yeah, mm -hmm. because it, I, I think it comes back to that concept of believability. Gene's mm -hmm. always taken on that darker role with the material. Therefore, even if they're imitating and not being honest musically, it's at least <clears throat> easier to kind of forgive Gene because it's closer to his kind of um, menu anyway mm -hmm. in terms of his character and the character that he'd reclaimed in 1992 so yeah. effectively. All right, let's get into the top four then. Uh, I confess in fourth place, Childhood's End in third place, Hate in second place, and then Jungle is our, our topic, and I'll, I'll run through all those rankings again. Daniel, no music lessons. Tell us what you think about those four. Uh, unfortunately, I have to bring out the guitar once again because when I started listening to this album, there was one chorus that I remembered uh, because it was kind of catch uh, I mean, remembered real well. And that was uh, one of the Gene songs. I don't know what it's about it, but uh, you know this one, it's kind of catchy. You were always my friend from childhood's end. I mean, that one, somehow that's stuck in my mind. It's the guitar line. It's Bruce's guitar line that makes that whole song. That do, yeah. And the vocal follows that, and that's the strongest part of the whole song. Sorry, go yeah. ahead, Daniel. Yeah, you don't have to be sorry. Uh, somehow Childhood's End stuck in my mind because it was a great chorus, and... One of the few solos that I really enjoyed on the album, because if I would um, pick a problem with the album, it would <laughs> actually have to be Bruce's solos. Uh, on Revenge, I think he nailed it. But on this record, he seems to have found a lot of pedals and effects <clears throat> and went a bit overboard and uh, proved that he is really the studio musician. I mean, he can do anything. And now they wanted this. So he went overboard and did it. And lost his style somewhere. I mean, if you listen to... If you would pick your 10 favorite Bruce Kulick solos, I don't think you would pick a single one off of this album. I don't think you would find a solo that you... No, I don't think you'll find a solo that you like in this one. But, but this solo is kind of melodic. And uh, he plays the melody and does some other stuff. So... It's a good solo, and uh, as I said, the the chorus really stays with you, and that's not a common thing on this album. And most things goes in there and out of the other ear. So, a good song. What were the rest in the top? Yeah, Jungle. I'd say I'd put Hate over Jungle because I think Hate is a pretty good sister song to Unholy. He kept the same vibe in this song. Um, uh, the lyrics are really dark 
but uh, Gene does a phenom- phenomenal uh, vocal uh, 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 effort on this one. So, uh, Hate, I put that at number two. So, the runaway songs for me on this album is In the Mirror and Hate. And then there's a, a bit of a gap to the, to the rest. So, uh, I would like to give a ch- shout out to Hate. I think that could have been pretty cool live as a dark gene song. So, uh, uh, Jungle is a good song. I mean, it's uh, well crafted. And that goes for all of the album. I think every song is well crafted and thought through. And they have a theme that runs through the whole album. I mean, it's dark, there's a lot of distortion. And I do understand why people really like this one. But at times, like um, Rain, for example, feels like something, a, a rip-off from, from Alice in Chains. You know, it's too blatant. Uh, it doesn't really work. While other stuff, they have kind of put the, the, the kiss stamp on the song, like in the mirror or hate, uh, and they work better. But, uh, but uh, I have to give a shout-out to hate. That's a, I really like that song. Mm-hmm. All right, Mark, I confess, Childhood's End, Hate, and Jungle. Um, yeah, a lot of those songs I definitely agree with. I mean, the only song of those four that I didn't have in my top four is I can find, and I actually had Master and Slave as my for some reason. I Now, in retrospect, I wonder why I had it so high. But in any case, um, Hate to me was a song that got me immediately immediately excited when I heard this album. Because when it started off, it had that kind of, you know, screechy feedback. Comes in with this really cool riff. Down, and, 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 and it kicks in. And it, it, this is one of the only songs, or one of the few songs that I said, yeah, this I believe is Kiss. Okay, Gene singing it. The material sounds perfect. The lyrics and everything suit him. His style of singing, it's perfect. Toby Wright got the production, I think, right on this song. Some of the other stuff that he did, I question. Uh, Daniel made an interesting point about the guitar solos that uh, Bruce Kulick did on this album. I think the main reason why they're so radically different is because of Toby Wright. I think that he's not really as focused on melody as Bob Ezrin was with him on Revenge. I think Ezrin sat him down and kind of said, listen, we need something a little bit more memorable here, maybe something like this. You know, he did let him use a bit of different things. He used Wah and stuff like that on Revenge. But on this album, you know, because don't forget, look at what Toby Wright was doing before, Korn and all these other kind of heavy sort of 2000 bands, right? And those guys used a lot of effects and a lot of... metal. Yeah, a lot of sort of, you know, chorusing and phasing and pitch shifting and stuff like that. And so he, when, you know, Bruce kind of tim- probably timidly said, uh, can I use my whammy pedal in this part? Like, yeah, sure, man. Go ahead. You know, whereas Bob, uh, Bob Kulik, Bob Kulik, Bob Ezrin probably would have said, uh, I don't know about that. You know what I mean? He probably would have questioned it a bit. Right. So I think that's the main difference about the sound of this album and but Mark, the, the Mark, destruction of it. Mark, you as a guitarist, what do you have to say about the solos? What, what's your take on that? I think technically he plays really good. I mean, if you watch yeah, that, if you watch the recording video that's on uh, the Kissology, <clears throat> he plays some fantastic solos. I just think though sometimes he does go a little bit overboard, and I think that they don't rein him in and kind of control him enough on some of the things. He goes a little nuts on stuff. 
that, that's why you know what and that's might be a surprise for you guys but that's why i think ezrin is kind of better with solos you know with making solos than toby wright is in, in that capacity right but I, eddie kramer i think is very good at doing that as well um jungle i think is an interesting song uh the whole baseline of that is really interesting the way they kind of flange that do 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 the whole thing and it's interesting that it's actually bruce who plays that it's not even gene who plays that bass line on the record uh but it's it's a great song i think it kind of it sounds to me more comfortable for paul to sing than some of this other material on here the only comment that i have about this song that i would don't like well not don't like but that i would change is i think the ending the outro this is way too long they could have easily made the song a minute shorter you know, it's yeah, just, it just it dragged on a little too long at the end. If they would have trimmed that off, I think it would be a near perfect song. Uh, Childhood's End, I've always liked this song. I don't know what it is, but that catchy line at the beginning that always kind of sat in my head. I like the way it drops down to a single guitar, kind of semi clean when they do the verses. Uh, I think it's very catchy it's very memorable that's a word that daniel's using a lot here which i think is good memorable is important if you have memorable melodies that's what makes a good song and i think this is why these songs are in the top you know four and i confess i think what makes that song good and what i think other people like about this song is that that sort of orchestration that dark orchestration that's in there do 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 that kind of stuff that's lying underneath it gives it a definite mood to it that kind of suits it now if if they would have gave that song to paul to sing it would have been a disaster but because gene sings it i think it's fantastic and one last thing i just want to say i think what might have been a little bit more interesting is why didn't they try to give eric a song to sing why didn't they give him maybe walk alone to do instead of bruce you know even that would have been slightly more interesting than having bruce do it i mean bruce he's not really known to sing i mean eric singer is a great singer he's done shown her many times in live performance Okay, Mark made a great point talking about the ending of the song. I think that goes for a lot of the songs on this album because uh, I think Paul and Jean thought that you had to have some sort of extensive ending to all of the songs. You could cut easily half a minute of almost every song except take a look in the mirror. That's a good ending. All right, Ken. Top four. Okay, well, not to not to uh, outdo uh, you know Daniel. Uh, Do I'm it. Play. Okay, never mind. Uh, so <laughs> my songs. Okay, hate. Um, yeah, the hate is a great song. I, I have it as number one on my list. Um, it, it is the most like revenge. Um, I do think of it as like a you know, Unholy Junior, you know, the junior song to Unholy. Uh, it's in that, you know, style. So I think that's a great song, obviously. A uh, great guitar solo, again, by uh, Bruce, and great drumming by Eric, of course. Um, uh, Jungle, another one high on my list, too. Um, great vocal performance by Paul on this one. Um, yeah, I do agree that it does, you know, it's more straightforward kind of, 
kiss-ish, I guess. It's not full, full-on full kiss, but it's closer, you know, than the other songs um, that he did. And, yeah, I agree. I totally agree about the ending that, yeah, it runs on a little, a little bit long. It should have been, you know, trimmed um, trimmed down a bit. Um, let's see. Childhood's End, yeah. I really like that one. Great course. Um, very catchy. Always liked it. Believable. Um and like most of the genes are, like Juno said, you know, they're a little bit more believable because that's, the, you know, the tone mm-hmm. that he's supposed yeah. to be, you know, <laughs> being the demon. Um, and then uh, I confess, yeah, that's the middle of my list. Um, that 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 sound, you know, when it starts off, it has that. It sounds like a soundtrack to an old movie. Like uh, someone walking through the graveyard, you know, and has that music playing, um, kind of like that old black and white movie, uh, like an old creature feature. Um, it gives me that that feeling. Um, but I, I do not care for the verses so much uh, on in that song. Really, don't not too much. Of, you know, not happy with the the verses, but I do like the chorus. The chorus then saves it for me. Um, but otherwise, you know, yeah. I mean, our lists are pretty close for the most part, except for a few. Um, but, uh, you know, it's a decent album. It's a Gene album, in my opinion. So. Oh, yeah. yeah. And Hate Would Have Won would have been number one had I not savaged it. Because oh. <laughs> I dislike hate strenuously. Your fault. It, no, it is. And hate is ruined. <laughs> Which position did you have it in? Uh, what position where, did where did I have it? I had it down in 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 seventh place. Whoa! Oh wow! Because of that Holy damn God. intro, oh. it it that intro is just so stupid. Skip the intro. No, I know. no. It's it sets the tone and it's idiotic. And then you go into this overly, <laughs> you know, weak attempt of being unholy, son of unholy. And it's just not a good song. I don't. I don't care for it. So you know, I, I'm. All right. I, my top. My top. Thir- <laughs> my top song is I confess, because I love how bipolar it is, and it's like the demon uh, uh, of day and night. You've got strange. like the verses, which are weak, but the chorus is just so glorious that it uh, makes up for any other shortcomings. Childhood's end, you know, it is my number two pick. So. The, the character Two of the song. Gene songs. Yeah, my my top three are Gene. You know how often do, how often <laughs> does that happen? Jungle's in fourth place for me because it's just overdone, and it was a better Deep Purple song. So we had the Black Sabbath song, we've got the Deep Purple song here, and that's a complete rip of a of a Purple song. So you fool no one. Um, but it's a great groover, and you know Jungle is a good song. It, it grooves. Yeah. It's unusual. Yeah. It sounds good. Um, but hate is not. So, huh. yes, it is. Yeah, you know, and, and some songs just have not uh, aged well for me. Master and Slave, I loved oh. way back, and now I'm like, oh, really? You know, <laughs> it, it 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 just mm-hmm. for my taste has not done well. But you know, let's talk about some of the material that was on the vault because there's quite yeah. a broad amount of material that could have turned up on it or on did turn up on Jeans. Uh, solo album in 2004 um, Daniel do you think any of that stuff should have kicked it off or was any of that stuff on the vault way better in those demo forms and was realized in the studio 
many people talk about the song you mentioned. I conf I think it's I confessed, and and they prefer the demo. Uh, I'm not sure if I agree. No, did you freeze? No, you didn't freeze. No. Uh, no. Uh, <laughs> you just went quiet. Okay. Uh, okay. So, um, but we did an episode way back. Uh, I don't know which number it was, where we looked at the best leftovers, if you remember. I know Ken was there, and I think Julian was also in that episode. And we went through the, the leftovers. And uh, actually, Ken mentioned one that I hadn't listened a lot to, and it was Chrome Heart mm. by Gene, of course. Uh, I think that would have been could have been something that they could have added. Uh, also, I liked. Uh, I also liked. Uh, I want to rule the world. I'm not sure when that started, but I think it started somewhere in this period. There's a, there are several versions. Uh, and uh, what else? There's no Paul songs that you could use, because if you think about it, Gene really uh, did material for three albums. He did material for this album, Crown of Souls, and some of the leftovers were used on. His soul album and also on Psycho Circus, right? So mm -hmm. he did a lot of work. He went mm -hmm. full steam ahead, uh, above and beyond. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, but in my mind, when we when we did that episode and and uh, went real deep on the the leftovers, it really there aren't that many. But Chrome Heart, <laughs> I want to rule the world, and I think there was one more. Think of it now. Let's see if I. Juliet, hey you, Sticky mm -hmm. Goo. No, 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 none of these. Within. Frankie's phone. No, no. Rain. No. Didn't I put this somewhere in the? Notes? Those are pretty cool though. Rain and heavy rain off the. Vault. Yeah, heavy rain. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's the one. That's the one. Heavy rain. That's the yeah. one. Rain. I really like that one. So heavy rain. I want to rule the world and. Mm. <clears throat> And uh, what else did I say? Oh, three songs from Gene. Carnival of Souls. No, mm. no, no. So actually, Gene had a few songs, but I don't know if it, it would have pushed the album that much. Uh, I think uh, I picked pretty good songs for the album. The only one I would have left off the album is actually I Walk Alone. I think the rest is good enough. Uh, Mark. Mm. Yeah, well, I mean, I I wasn't too familiar with some of the demos, but I did listen to them just recently. And you know, that song Carnival of Souls, I always thought that the best thing about that was just that opening riff and the rest of it just goes absolutely nowhere. But that's kind of the way Gene is. I mean, he writes a song. He said he writes a song every day. He said, I remember that, I remember that quote that he said, I write a song every day, at least one. But, you know, Ace Freely had a great counter to that. Okay, I can't write a song every day. I write a song when I'm inspired to write a song. And that's the main difference, I think, between the two as songwriters. Because Gene just writes constantly, but they're never that great. There's like, he has a lot of junk, but there's gems it was in it. Whereas, you know, I think Ace maybe just writes when it, the, the moment is on him. And then it, the song is maybe slightly stronger at that point because of that, right? But, you know... Gene, he has no shortage of material. I mean, if you look at the that thing that uh, I think Ken posted, the demos from this session here, 
you know, yeah, the heavy rain in my head, Juliet, Hey You, I Confess, Ruled the World, We Are One, the early version, like all these songs that are on here, you know, he had a lot of these songs long before they appeared on the records, like We Are One, it would appear on Psycho Circus, right? So do these songs, would they have fit on, on this album? I don't think they would have fit. I mean, they would have needed some major reworking, but that's the thing with Gene's songs. I think that a lot of them need a producer to kind of say, you know what, shit can this part, this part's good, this is not good, and, and then construct something out of those parts and make something plausible out of it. Because a lot of his stuff, you know, is not not good. You know, I mean, even just listening to the Gene Simmons vault stuff, there's a lot of junk on that stuff, you know. But there's, you know, but there are gems within it. But it's just the way he writes. He's just one of these guys that just writes what comes to his head immediately. He records it, and he's, you know, he he just thinks that if it's on tape, it's worth using. And it's not that the way, you know. You got, you got to really focus on your material and figure what is really the strong stuff. That's what a good producer can help him with. Well, he does origami, and you have to wonder if, like, a, a Bob Ezrin <laughs> would have even touched this bag of bones, you know, mm, yeah. to Frankenstein it into something because come on, the ingredients aren't that appealing in this cake, um, and even the leftovers speak of that. Yeah, I enjoy a lot of the stuff on the vault, be it Juliet, Hey You, you know, Rain, Heavy Rain, some of the other songs that don't come to mind Im- immediately. Uh, Turn to stone, you know. Granny takes a trip. E- even things that he was recycling um, for for Psycho Circus, but. It's, the quality is is lacking, and it was almost like they had been gut punched by the lack of spectacular success in 1992, you know, and everything that they put into the effort for Revenge, that they were just finally, you know, going through the motions on this album to a certain extent, and even the feeling of where they were recording, who they're recording with. I mean, when I heard Toby Wright's name, to be perfectly honest, I had no idea who he was in 1995, mm. 96, I had not a clue, uh, not in my wheelhouse, Music Grinder Studio. I mean, really? You know, that sounds like the fortress, uh, like a demo <laughs> house. Um, so it, it really kind of reeked again of throwing our hands up, you know, <clears throat> we're not going to get Marty Fredrickson in and Desmond Child and, <clears throat> and keep trying at that because it's just not working for us. So... Ken, on that and take us into the final question of how you'd present a 25th anniversary edition of this, if you even would. Okay. Uh, well, firstly, yeah, for the demos, um, yeah, it would have been a different album had they uh, replaced, <clears throat> excuse me, some of the songs. Because I, I love songs like uh, Rain. I think it's a really great song. I mean, Heavy Rain's good, but I like Rain better than Heavy Rain. I, I just That's just my style. Um you know, Juliet could have been redone a bit, uh, slightly, though it's a, it's a really good song. Um, I like I turn, you know, turn to stone, um, those kinds of things. So, you know, damn, I damn, I'm good is okay. It has parts. I like of the swagger on that. Yeah, 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 yeah. The damn, I'm good is like, it's not, you know, it's not a bad song. Um, so yeah, there's there's a lot of stuff out there that they could use, but they were going for a real dark real dark and some of those songs are not dark enough i guess for yeah. for carnival souls you know not dreary enough they just went way down the hole on on this on this album um so there you go for that um so for the 20 like a 25th anniversary um you know i wouldn't mind if they did something where they 
remix the darn thing. <laughs> uh, try to, you know, bring it up from the doldrums a little bit. Um, and maybe, you know, put it, you know, I'm going to say this again. Do a 25th anniversary and release it on Record Store Day. <laughs> I'm going to say it again. But, uh, yeah, if they could remix it, um, redo it, or maybe put some of the stuff that was left over, um, you could do that, too. Um, you can do it. Maybe I do an alternative, call it an alternative uh, Carnival of Souls, you know, something like that. And uh, and release it. That's that's what I would do. I don't know if you would make like a vinyl or you know a colored vinyl. I don't even know what color you put on this one. Brown. But, <laughs> yeah, brown. Something like my my mind was really black, you know. But anyway. beige. No, beige, like the primary color on the front cover. Okay, I'll go with that. So that's that's my 25th anniversary. Daniel. A lot of stuff to put on this, but of course, like the demos, the alternate takes, the original cover, uh, and maybe they could add some videos from the studio because we've seen a, a few clips on the Kissology series where they recorded the stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, so maybe an extensive video of of Kiss in the studio. That's always interesting to see how they work on songs and ideas and how they come up with things and how they, you know, the progress in, in, in the ideas, how they work on them. Uh, but other than that, I don't think there's a lot to put, put on this thing. And hell will freeze over before we get a 25th anniversary <laughs> of Carnival of Souls. But, uh, True. <laughs> I, I'm, but I just have to add, I was pleasantly surprised listening through the album. I think it's quite good, actually. Uh, <clears throat> even though Mark made the main point with that big word he used, which was dis- disingenuous. Yes, exactly. That's the <clears throat> feeling that you're left with after listening to the album. But uh, take a look in the mirror, one hell of a song. Mark, your final thoughts on this gymnasium of a Kiss album? Um, I think you, I think you can make a 25th out of this. They won't, but the first thing I would do immediately get it remixed for sure. Uh, when you put it on vinyl, you know, do the same thing that they did with some of the other records here. Make this a 45 RPM. Spread it over more things because if you look at the original vinyl of this, that dead wax on there is like two millimeters long like they put too much stuff on this album and it sonically suffered because i mean i put this on my turntable earlier today and i had to really like pump up the volume on my stereo like why is it so quiet well they had to because otherwise they couldn't fit it on a side you know the material properly so they had to i think they had to do a, a proper remix of it uh do it on over two records you know add on that third or that fourth side, add some of the demos that we talked about. Um, if you're going to do a box set in this day and age, it makes sense to do a 5-1 of this. With some of the creepy sound effect stuff that's on here and some of the weird guitar stuff, this can uh, transpose over to a 5-1 mix easily, I think. Uh, and it might make it a lot more interesting, actually, if you listen to this album in 5-1. Uh, still, material from the, I think that the studio material 
needs to be put on here. And I think that that's the big thing that it needs to do on the box set studio footage. Yeah, no, I, I agree with Mark's concept for, you know, a deluxe edition, you know, throw all the demos on as a couple of extra CDs, a remix, and then if there's enough video for a DVD and maybe a song-by-song -song commentary of the, the four members of the band, and Toby Wright would make a, a good, quick and dirty, you know, the Carnival of Souls documentary. How realistic is that? No way on earth that's <laughs> happening. Uh, just be happy that it ever got out in the first place. All right. That's it. That's our discussion on Carnival of Souls. What do you think? I enjoyed revisiting it. You know, it's not an album yeah. I play very often at all. I play this less than just about any album in the Kiss catalog. I play Psycho Circus more than this. Um, oh, my. Yeah. Wow. Uh, it, it really has fallen out of favor with my tastes. So, um, you know, it, it's good to revisit it and because I do remember how much fun it was back in 1995-96 when it first leaked out. It was, you know, new, new excitement, and it's been a long time since we've had that sort of excitement uh, with new KISS music. But it's now 2012 is the last time a studio album came out, and since then it's just been little bits and pieces. So, you know, hopefully in 2022... We'll get some new excitement about maybe KISS releases that will include stuff we haven't heard before or heard properly. Who knows? As we saw last year, anything remains possible with KISS. All right, that's it. Give us your thoughts. What do you like the best? What do you like the least? Who do you agree with the most? And why do you disagree with Julian? Um, so for now, from Daniel, from you're Ken, sane. Mark, and myself, thanks for joining us. We'll see you next time. <laughs> Thank you for spending time listening to the KISS FAQ podcast today. All sales are final. There are no refunds. If you'd like, look us up on Facebook or come over to the KISS FAQ message board and discuss the topic we've broadcast today. Don't forget to rate us on iTunes, Spreaker, or wherever you've listened to the show. We hope you'll join us again.